black man's a bad guy? Batman is not bad. I created him to bring joy to all the people of the world. They have brainwashed him. Deeper down, he's kind, gentle. Someone you can tell your troubles to or grab a hamburger with. You will see. Professor Watani, what are you doing? I will talk to him. He's my son. No, that's a bad idea. Hello. My sweet little boy. Look how big you've grown. I'm so proud of you. That's so sweet. He's so sweet. But all these destructive things you're doing, it's wrong. I'm your father. I know. You're a good boy. KOYR Studios in Minneapolis, Minnesota. It's Arcade Radio. Intruder alert, intruder alert. Twisted Pinocchio Geppetto stuff right there. Welcome to episode 12 of the Arcade Radio Podcast. Today is Wednesday, March 29th. The time is now approximately 8.05pm. This is your host, Professor Iwatani. I'm joined today by our co-host, the legendary Dan Reed, and co-host Mark Shields, time runner himself. For this very special episode of Arcade Radio, sans guest. Welcome to the show. That means no guest. That freaks me out. <laughs> I like how you did that without moving your mouth, Adam. <laughs> I know, that was pretty, creepy. I'm pretty good at that. <laughs> Should accidentally play that intro like on another episode. I'm hoping we're you archive gonna, these. We're going to get a good season to assist because uh, Adam has to play pixels on the intro. I don't know. Do they do that to audio? I'm not sure. Oh, sure. <laughs> it's very good, yes. It's very, very good. It's okay. He can just keep submitting it until they uh, accept it. I agree with that very much. Or we can like we can do a verbatim you know, reenactment of it somewhere. Ooh. A play. We In should public. do a play. Of just that scene. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I chopped it up pretty good. I don't think anybody's going to care. Nobody's cared so far. We play clips. And it's, it's um, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. It's not like we're playing a whole song or something. You know, we didn't play the whole movie. 
I mean, that was in trailers too. So you're right. That's right. You're right, man. Should I get closer to this? Is this good? <laughs> That's real good. You sound you like great. Right here. So how about for a little twist tonight? We uh, it's a special episode here. I don't know what we're going to call this one. I don't know. When the Kong is gone. <laughs> <laughs> There's nobody in the chat, is there? Our like eight listeners that may have listened to us are used to us on Thursdays. So we're just live tonight for no reason. Well, there says there's three in there, so. Oh, awesome. Cool. I posted the link. I tweeted it, and I clawed it, and later on, I'll Insta it, and I don't know. There's a, there's a couple other portals of social media that I'll do while you're talking. Sweet. Portals. Correct. Portals. Hey, there's, a guy, there's a guy in there that says Joe's Arcade. Says, oh, Joe, this is, it's this awesome guy that I know in uh, Houston. He, sold he says, me my- what up? Joe. Joe. I just said, dude. I mean, it could be another Joe, but I'm pretty sure it's my Joe. Well, he's got an awesome little avatar. I love it. Could be Joe. I did call him today. There's an OU flight. Oh, he's OU flight on Clav. Aha. <laughs> I'm Matterax on Clav. And Time Runner on Clav. And Dan Photo on Clav. Yeah, cool. So how about we flip this around? Mark, why don't you be the dude? You interview us. Because we were at a little event this weekend that you were unable to join. Right, exactly. By the way, I'm a Time Runner from TimeMachineRental.com, UncleRinkosVan.com, The Arcade Hangouts, Meet the Time Runners, Bob Zarzadek Does Stuff, and I'm Not Really Spider-Man parodies on YouTube. <laughs> Did well, you know that? No, I did not know that, Link. but now I gotta go look it up. Wink, Mark. <laughs> I'm not really Spider-Man parodies. <laughs> I'm looking at it right now, so you guys are on your own for a while. That's right. I mean, I thought I had the Spider-Man costume. Why don't I wear it and go on YouTube? Well, you have a Chewbacca <laughs> costume too, if I remember right. Man, I just need a Chewbacca. <laughs> okay. So let's um wait, we don't have a BR guest uh that we're not going to play that since you guys are my guests. Oh, yeah, we could totally do that. Cuz I love that part. <laughs> That's the part where I rub my hands together. Let's see uh we... it. <laughs> Quiet on the set. B Oh. Guest, be our guest, put, put our, our service, service to the, the test. test. Nice. <laughs> wow, that was truncated. Okay, I'm going to recover from that. And <laughs> Oh, I'll play another cue for you if you want. That's <laughs> fine. Here you go. Oh, my God. The, the best version of Pac-Man. <laughs> okay, okay, Adam. Now let's, let's just start from the beginning. I want you to tell me exactly how you found out about what happened. Like, before, you have to start from you're not knowing and then go to you knew and then okay. fill in the blanks. All right. So, uh, back to the, you know, 2014 Steve Wiebe event uh, at the Mall of America. It's pretty simple. Chris Grapp, um, head of the experimental marketing department over there. And maybe the only guy in it. I'm not really sure. but he, That's a pretty made-up title, dude. I love that. Yeah. It's on his business card. I'm experimental marketing. But he, <laughs> he doesn't say that. He's actually pretty, like, butch. 
You know, he's uh, like he's like an Iron Man guy. He's totally into like exercise and stuff. Yeah, he does like these events with his wife where they like crawl through fire uh, and, and mud and climb walls and stuff. Has he invited you to do any of these things yet? No, but he Damn did. It. But he did call me up when he one day. And he's actually contacted me on Facebook, and he says, "If I was to get Billy Mitchell to come to the Mall of America, could you maybe hook me up with a Pac-Man machine?" And that's how it started. Mm. How did he do that? Did he call you? Did he tweet you? No, it was on Facebook, dude. He's like a oh. messenger. Oh, Facebook messenger. Yeah, okay, I see what you're saying. Which version of Facebook? What? What did? <laughs> what's the name of this thing that he used to contact you with? <laughs> Okay, so he contacted you. Okay, next. What happened after that? So I said, well, yeah, I could find you a Pac-Man machine. And then I started reaching out to people that maybe you have a Pac-Man machine. Maybe you have a Pac-Man machine. So I was just trying to find somebody within our little tight-knit Minnesota group. You know, hey, anybody got Pac-Man? And there was a few people uh, that said, yeah, so-and-so has Pac-Man. And nobody really wanted to volunteer their Pac-Man. So finally, as a last ditch effort, I posted something on the Midwest Pinball and Arcade Collecting Group on Facebook. And I said, look, if you do this, this is what happened when I did the King of Kong Pixels event. I got free passes to Nickelodeon Universe for like my whole family and extras to give away to, to another family. And I got reserved seating for a, a private King of Kong viewing with Q&A with Steve Wiebe after it. And I got... Advanced screening tickets to Pixels, and I got tickets to uh, Minions. I got treated pretty well, you know, for bringing a Pac-Man machine. I mean, Donkey I'm sorry, Kong. King Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong, right? So I was like, dudes, if you do this, you'll you'll get this. And right after I posted that, I talked to my co-host on the arcade radio show. His name is uh, Mark Shields. Oh, that's you. <laughs> and I was like, hey, I'm looking for a Pac-Man machine. And this guy named Mark Shields says, ah, I happen to have one in my um, storage unit. <laughs> so we made a deal, and, and that's how it happened. Yeah, and I'd like to just add that I had bought that Pac-Man machine from a guy off Craigslist years ago and put it in storage because it didn't have room in my apartment, a.k.a. my wife said, don't bring another machine in here. <laughs> <laughs> and so I complied and I had just been in that unit the other day before I spoke to you to uh, get my DeLorean out of there and drive it back to Texas. And I took fairly decent pictures. I don't know. What do you think? I, I thought that it was a pretty good machine. It's definitely one of the better machines that I've had access to. Yeah. So it is very clean. Like whenever you get a machine, it doesn't matter how dirty it is. But if it's water damaged, then you know you're you're screwed, right? So this thing was dry on the inside. It had been cleaned out. And more importantly, when you fired it up, it just worked with all the original hardware in it. You could tell the monitor was a little tired. And I, I did have, you know, the second day I fired it up, I did have some, have to reseat some boards to get things to come back to life because it was all garbled and whatnot. But overall, I mean, it's like I have a working Pac-Man machine to start with. And so that's, you know, if you've been listening to the show, then you you, hear the, you know the rest, right? I went, got stuff powder coated and got the whole thing cleaned up, Magic Eraser, and got overlays and new glass and... You know, you have pictures of that somewhere online that we can all look at. You know, I I, I posted some in the arcade radio Facebook page. I probably could post a few more, and and then I also put a couple on Clav recently. So if if you're members there, you can go check them out. I haven't like done a showcase post on Clav or anything in a while. 
So maybe I'll do that. How is this similar or dissimilar from when you did the Donkey Kong experience? I mean, where did you get that Donkey Kong from? Because really, we never did a show on that. I just, I just for completionist's sake, I'd like to find that out. Right. Oh, the Donkey Kong? Yeah, did you just have that machine? No. Well, I did. Um, and I, I'd had it for a couple of years. It was actually a street heat. It had been converted. And I bought it from Joe Lease, who was like our fourth or fifth guest. And I converted it back to a Donkey Kong. And it was, that was a, that was one of my first restoration. And I just happened to have it. And I had talked to a guy named Chris Rhodes. And Chris Rhodes had just talked to a couple other people who had talked to Chris Grapp, who was the, the event coordinator there. And he said, I was just been calling up Chris saying, eh, you know, because he had helped me with the monitor. And I said, dude, it's working. I've, I got it working again. And the very next day, Chris is like, I, I sent this guy from the Mall of America to call you because you have a working Donkey Kong. So it was luck. It was really just luck. Nice. Oh, hey, I have a question now for Dan. Is is Dan still there? Dan? No. Uh, no. Hi. Dan, is it <laughs> is it not what you know, but who you know? <laughs> True. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to accept that as your final answer. <laughs> <laughs> and my next question, Dan, is how did you get dragged into this? Oh, I I don't know. Wait a second. How did I? Joe. Oh. Joe Ar- in Joe's Arcade, he said, hey, Mark. Yes. I don't know if he's going to ask you a question or if he's just saying, hey, Mark. Oh, I'll, I'll respond to him. I will say, hello, Joe, and hello, Paul. Paul. Yeah, Paul. Welcome Paul, to the Paul chat. Paul Dure. Dure. Digging it. Just got a text from my fiance, Christine. She's in Chicago. I hope she's listening to the show. Ooh, she is not. To. I told her it's on. <laughs> my wife is also not listening to the show. <laughs> uh, my wife is also not listening to the show. In fact, Back she's in probably 82. upstairs rolling her eyes at me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. um, so, so let's, let's move along here. Give me a breakdown of the preparations leading up to, but not including the day of the event. So you've mentioned that you got your machine powder coated and cleaned up. Is there anything that you had to do unusual? Like, did you have to... Oh yeah, there take was. Out, so the the take day, out insurance policy. <laughs> the day before, uh, the day before the event. Uh, so I'm supposed to be bringing the machine on on Friday, right? The events on Saturday. So I'm bringing the the machine on Friday, and I I wasn't happy with how the monitor was working because I was playing it off and on, just making sure that the thing worked, and the screen would jump. You know. Uh, um, and it's a 4600, so I don't know if you guys know anything about the 4600 monitor. It's a Wells Gardner 4600, and um, the 4900 was really the the pinnacle of Wells Gardner monitors, if you ask me, um, before the K7000 and all that stuff. It was sort of the more s- solid of them. Uh, the 4600 has a great picture, but it also has two riser cards, um, and, and I don't know why they did that. They, they must have been trying to keep the heat off the board or something. In addition to the electronic board that controls the monitor, there was two vertical boards that snapped in to, the, to that horizontal plane. And they could loosen over time or, or the components on them get old. And, and you just get you know weird connections and, and things start to jump. So I would be playing Pac-Man and it would be like, I was like, this, I called up Chris Rhodes who, I don't know, I mean, he, we mentioned him on the show a million times, but he's like the monitor god in Minneapolis, right? So I said, Chris, look, if you got time, I know it's short notice, but would you have time on maybe Friday to look at this thing? So brought it over to his house, um, probably around noon. 
We started pulling the whole thing apart, and then uh, he rejuved the tube, which took some effort. And he's, I don't know if you guys ever seen a rejuvenation on a tube before. You hook this thing up, oh, and yeah. it heats up the, the, the pins, and it cleans off the, the color guns. The cool thing was is that it was making the picture better, but also Chris whacks on the end of the tube with a screwdriver. And then the Pac-Man board's resetting when he's doing this because <laughs> he's got the machine on. He's got the rejuvenator hooked up to the back, and he's like pulling it off, and he's like whack, 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 and the and the Pac Man's just rebooting, and 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 if it wasn't anybody else, I'd be freaking out. But you know, I trust Chris, and at the end of the day, and literally at the end of the day, it was like well midday, two two o'clock, two thirty, something like that. We had a perfect picture. He had recapped the vertical boards in the forty six hundred. He had refloated all the solder joints on the bottom rejuvenated the tube had everything back together and we we burned it in for a good hour and a half and then i hauled it off to mall america you got like three wow. feet of air oh, that time that's awesome so i know what to do if i ever have a monitor problem chris, <laughs> they were just talking about chris yesterday on the uh, arcade hangout so i don't think i've ever met him really how's that possible yeah, I, he, I don't know he's like pretty prominent i mean like he's the first person i met in the hobby that had like a full room of arcades in his basement and that was i don't know 10 years ago or something Hmm. He was actually kind yes. of like I actually looked at Chris's basement, and he was finishing up at the time um, Missile Command, and he had he had been working with Rich, and ultimately it ended up being Take Man who did the powder coated Missile Command reproduction, and that came from one of Chris's scans. In addition to being like the monitor man, Chris has scanned so much artwork for community, including Atari Football, Missile Command, and just tons of other ones that I I can't. I can't remember right now off the top of my head. It's interesting. I, there's a there's definitely sort of a, a just an amazing amount of arcade talent that's in the state of Minnesota. Yeah, and, and I I don't know if that's why, but if you look at like Minnesota Craigslist, there's virtually nothing worth buying, and you never see on the Midwest group on Facebook stuff go up for sale. You see Ohio, Indiana, you see all these other states, I know, but you never see Minnesota. Like there's nothing ever coming up for unless it's like. Steve, right? Don Mankato with his right. little stash. But nobody's putting anything up for sale. It's Well, I, we have a lot of collectors here, too. I mean, we I know for a fact Brian ninjas everything that's on Craigslist. You know what I mean? He's yeah. just really good at that. Mr. Paradise Arcade, who was yeah. involved with this weekend, by the way. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay, that's cool. I'll have to try, try to work that in here. Okay, so let's, uh, let's uh, move forward chron- chronologically here, guys. It's event day. And did you sleep well the night before? Did you use a body pillow? Come on. <laughs> share. I, share I with stayed me. at the Radisson Blue with my fiance. We had a, a nice, quiet night. So she was sick, though. So we just kind of watched TV and I hooked up uh, Raspberry Pi and played some, you know, Nintendo games and then we went to bed. Dang, the Radisson Blue is fancy. It was, it's, it's nice. It was nice. It's interesting. So is that your first time you stayed at a hotel while living in the same city or does that happen no, no. before? No, I. <laughs> Been to conventions and all kinds of stuff like that. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to guess Star Trek. <laughs> I've never stayed. You in dress a- like a freaking Klingon, admit it. No. Starfleet officer. Captain. Okay. Okay. So this is for both of you. This is the day of the event. I want I want the play by play, and I, and this is um this is specifically for Dan. I want you to interrupt interrupt Adam every time he mentions something <laughs> that you saw, like from your observer standpoint, and share your thoughts by interrupting. Because I love that. I'm not really sure. You want me to start? Is that what you're saying? You're going to have to start, and then uh, Dan's going to have to inter- interject. 
<laughs> I'm not sure I follow here. Those are the ground rules. Well, you don't have to. Dan does. <laughs> right. But just start talking and I'll interrupt you. That's what he's saying. Yeah. <laughs> so, Is that the good sound? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay, you woke up. Go. <laughs> oh, so I woke up. And at like 9.30... 9.30? What? Wait, I thought Dan was supposed to interrupt me. Oh, sorry, sorry. Okay. <laughs> so then I at 9.30, I went down to... The funny thing is, is like I'm trying to set up the machine that morning, right? And Dan keeps texting me. He's like, what's oh, the plan? Come on. Starts at, no, like seriously, 9 o'clock. What's the plan? I'm like in hot... I'm like walking from my hotel room to the rotunda where my machine has been stood up. Rotunda. And um, I'm getting these texts. And I'm like, I can't text and walk and... You know, hook up my machine at the same time. So, like, I'm getting tools. I'm doing this. And I had to go to security, and they had to bring me down to the bowels of the MOA, get my tools, because they locked them away for the night. So I had uh, my degasser, and I had my toolboxes and everything, just in case. Just in case anything went wrong. Because, oh, by the way, Billy Mitchell is coming to this event. He's going to play on my Pac-Man machine. So I'm just hoping the thing will run the whole time, right? So I get down there, set it up. You know, and it was pretty uneventful. I got it running at 9.20, and uh, it ran till 5 o'clock without a hitch. Yep. I put it into position, turned it three-quarters towards the audience because they didn't know how to set it up. I said, where do you want this thing? They said, we don't care. Just put it anywhere you want. I was like, really? So I'm going to stage my machine. So I actually, I was thinking of the audience, and I thought, well, I'll turn it three-quarter. That way they can kind of see him play, and he can just turn away and talk to him when he wants to. So I put it up there, and boom. So, no interruptions from Dan. So well, far, I don't, have any, I don't have anything to do with it yet. It's the Arcade News with Don Reed! <laughs> Nintendo Switch. You guys want to talk about this? <laughs> Does that help you? Yeah. <laughs> we have a few more people in the chat. Andy Baldwin. That's pretty good. Andrew Baldwin's in the chat? Yeah, Andrew I like Baldwin. Him. I like your movies. <laughs> You're not the best Baldwin, I think he's but he's one of the brothers. <laughs> Andrew Enclave. Yeah. So I think I uh, didn't I just sell him a journey board. We should probably get down into the into the guts of this for a minute, though. Don't you think, Dan? Like, no. Nobody really wants to hear about the setup. Let's talk about like the event, like Billy no, Mitchell. I will, I will tell you, Mark, that it was surreal that as I was standing in the rotunda doing nothing, I looked to my left and Brian Koo was standing there, <laughs> and I looked in front of me. And Walter Day was standing in front of me. I love that Brian Koo was there. I've met him a couple of times, so. He's a very nice guy. Very friendly chap. Yes. And he talks uh, exactly like he does in the movie. It's going to be a kill screen Uh, coming. um, um, Billy, uh, there's something over here I'd like you to take a look at. Uh, You should come over here and see it real quick. We got to get Brian Koo on the show. That'd be great. That'd be epic. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of which, while we're there, Walter asked to be on the show. No joke. So uh, he'll be on the show April thirteenth. I've already set it, it up with a- him. He confirmed we're um, we're working the details out. So for those of you that are listening live right now, Walter Day will be on in April April thirteenth. While I was uh, standing around watching Adam, I was chatting with Walter and Billy's manager, and we ended up Sean talking about yeah Sean Sean we ended up uh, talking back and forth and we were going to go out to lunch and then we made pizza reservations and we were all just going to go out after the event and have pizza. Honestly, nicest bunch of guys. I 
I believe I've met probably in the industry in quite a while. Way better than Steve Wiebe. <laughs> <laughs> no offense, Steve, because also no, Steve- we still love you, Stevie. <laughs> Yeah, Steve but I didn't, is, you know, I didn't get to hang out with Steve. It was more right. like a, you know, a little meet and greet thing. But I'm just saying, you know, from a, it, it was just kind of surreal. Steve Weeby will be on the show too, also um, t- towards um, summer. So, summer, summer, yeah. Uh, so for those of you dedicated listeners, we're gonna have some fun with those two gentlemen's. It would be fun. It would be nice to get Billy and Steve on at the same time. So impressions, Dan of mr billy mitchell uh exactly what yeah so first let's talk about on stage presence right yeah really uh on stage versus you know man to man well i'm gonna give him some credit here right off the bat because he came out from wherever he was downstairs at the mall of america walked right into the crowd and started shaking hands he was in the aquarium area they said they said he was in like a no he was in the green room the down in that area though, that's where they <clears> stage <throat> everybody. So if you're near the rotunda and you go down the hall, um, there's like a little secret staircase there. That's kind of where they stage people. Oh, it's cool. Uh, it's opposite of the sea sea life thing. Yeah, I know that. I know that staircase. I just never knew what was down there. So he just came up and uh, started shaking hands and hanging out with people, and they were thrilled. Like it was yeah, ultimately cool. He he didn't need to. He could have went and stood behind the screen and. But he just came out and started shaking hands. and, and No, it was uh, really was like, cool. It was Damn. legit. And he signed autographs for a good 20 minutes or so. Took pictures. Yeah, he yeah. was cool. Right before the show. Uh, one guy had like his Pac-Man blazer on with his Donkey Kong tie and whatever. That guy was dressed up. And he had like a headband on. It was pretty funny. And he got his Mar- Donkey Kong marquee out for him to sign. And he signed it. There was no question. I mean, he was just he was immediately working the crowd. Yep. So then, then he gets announced, and he's brought up on stage with this K one hundred and two DJ who emceed the whole show. I thought that was strange. I wasn't expecting that, by the way. Well, he was only supposed to introduce him, and everything went off script. So Gabby, who's the actual event coordinator for that event, uh, she and I talked, and she was like, "And I was like, yeah, th- this just went off script real fast, didn't it?" And she's like, "Yeah, we're not following anything here." Before he started playing, I I, I kind of said, "Hey Billy," uh, after he was done signing some autographs and whatnot, I, I I said, "Hey Billy, I, I'm the guy that brought the pack, man. I just have a quick question for you. How you like the machine setup? Do you want it on free play, or do you want to, or do you want to put coins?" And he goes, "Well, that depends. Are they gold coins?" And I said, "Well, as a matter of fact, they are." <laughs> so <laughs> I brought him up there, and of course, I had my Adams Arcade tokens, and so he's like testing the machine out and. Um, Starts playing, and without even thinking about it, he's already giving me Pac-Man advice. And so he said, he's like, see that blue ghost there? That's going to die in that corner over there in 10 seconds. And sure enough, 10 seconds later, this ghost ends up over in the corner and just dies. And I'm like, okay, that's some serious, like, I've been playing this game my whole flipping life, you know? <laughs> so anyway, he, he checked out the machine. He's like, yeah, I'll just play on coins. And I left a row of them up there on the glass for him, and that's kind of how he... He got kicked off, and so the K one hundred two guy comes on, and he he's like Billy Mitchell, and he comes up, and people are you know clapping and cheering, and then he starts right in about some stories, and he starts playing the game, and he starts giving people tips on how to play the game and park the ghosts, and I I'm not kidding you, about twenty minutes after he was done with his first set of tips and tricks, the K one hundred two guy went and parked Pac Man in a spot where none of the ghosts could eat him, so he he was like teaching people how to play the game on stage and the, and the actual MC was able to learn and park Pac-Man. So that was pretty cool. That, 
The radio guy did this? The radio guy did yeah. that. Yeah. Did Billy did surprisingly Billy, well. Billy taught him how to do it. He showed him how to do it, and then ten minutes later, this guy's up there parking Pac-Man. No joke. Oh, dang it. It was pretty I gotta cool. Move. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Walter and Brian Koo have sitting have sat themselves down in the audience, right? Just nonchalantly. And people are like pointing to him going, That's Walter! That's Walter! You know? <laughs> And the people, and there were several people there from the Weeby event that I recognized and reintroduced myself to. By the way, I handed out a bunch of arcade radio stuff for us. And um, <clears throat> it was just interesting to see a lot of the same guys show up to this event. I, it was kind of quite enjoyable. Oh, and, it, and as far as like my opinion of Billy on stage, yeah, absolutely. Like every piece of arrogant film you've ever seen Billy in, that's who he is on stage. And he knows it, and he's well aware of it, and he is—he owns it. He's like, I'm the best. Nobody's better than me. And apparently he has a rival in Canada that he made fun of pretty much the whole weekend. <laughs> so, Billy Mitchell Canada version, okay. Now, as soon as he was off stage, um, maybe jumping ahead a little bit here, but as soon as he's off stage, what, Dan, what did you think? I don't think he was the same guy at all. You could tell he shifted, like ultra nice. He wasn't doing the showman thing he was just there to talk to you and hang out really kind of again took me by surprise yeah and by no means was he like minnesota nice he was still very aware of the fact that he was there to be adored by the crowd the all-around most seasoned person in the hot sauce chicken wing industry yeah for sure but he was like you know he he would tell me stories and, and things off stage that he wouldn't say while he was up on stage. And so that was kind of fun because you, you really get to see the different, it's different side of him. And I kind of called him out on it. <clears throat> By the way, uh, his wife was there and it's the first event that she's been to in public with him. Uh, besides the, what you saw of her for the brief moment in like King of Kong. So oh, I got, a, I snapped a picture of them together. He's like, well, she'll never want to be on camera. And I was like, well, and I just said, would you mind if I took a picture of you and your husband? And she's like, no, no. She got up and she goes, well, <laughs> you proved me wrong. So, and we were, <laughs> We went up and uh, by the backdrop, and I took a picture of Mr. and Mrs. Mitchell. <laughs> That's awesome. When are you going to post that picture? <laughs> I'll I'll put a whole bunch up on. Uh, I'll make a post and put them up. Put them on the arcade radio. That way, we can get some people to like our. Yeah, we'll like put them up. Page. We'll put them on the arcade radio Facebook page. Yes. Maybe even Dan will like the page. No, <laughs> he'll get a proxy to do it. <laughs> we, we, oh. We should we should like create a fake Dan Reed. Oh, get out of here! Oh my God, yes. <laughs> you, do you guys know what? I have my, a picture uh, of when he's like ten. We should put that on there. Get out of here! <laughs> and, and really bad photography. <laughs> Surprisingly, uh, Mark, that's why I was there. Remember how we talked about the funny Craigslist ad that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, 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 yes. Last week's episode, we discussed that, didn't we? Yeah. So that turned out to be true. Well, let's, recap, let's recap that real quick for people that are listening right now. Yes, please. Go ahead, Dan. So last week, Craigslist ad pops up and says something along it's the, the lines of looking for... Don Reed! Oh, my God. <laughs> are you done? <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. I want to... So <laughs> Craigslist ad pops up, says something about... Uh, looking for a local arcade collector for a documentary, right? I think we talked about this. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, and they're looking for the the games that were in the Life magazine. 
Right. And looking I, for the six games, and uh, turns out Brian from Paradise Arcade Shop was the first person to answer this ad. Right. So uh, more more importantly, what's the ad for? It's for an arcade documentary. But it's more than a, just a regular two hour documentary. Well, that's all that's been said publicly. So I didn't. I don't want to say too much. If they didn't, they didn't seem very forthcoming about what they wanted to do. Everything we. Oh, I think they want you to know it's a, it's a TV show format, so it's going to be an hour by hour thing. Yeah. So it looks like they're working on a pilot. So it, probably hearing it first here. I'm not sure, but absolutely. Um, so Walter Day, Sean, who is Billy's manager, gets and a Wal- hold of and Walter Day's. Yep. Huh. He manages both Walter and, and Billy. Right. So putting together a documentary, Brian gets involved. He's going to sell them a Defender. If you guys haven't been to Paradise Arcade Shop, dude has a shop full of arcade games. So no big deal. He can easily sell a Defender to this guy. But they work out a deal when they figure out what's really going on with the situation that Brian is going to be in the show. So it works out for everybody. Um, Brian gets me involved because if you guys don't know, my background is photography and videography and video editing. So Brian's like, I know a guy, you know, I'll get Dan involved. He'll do your shooting for you. We'll meet at the Mall of America. So that's kind of how I got involved with the whole thing. But yeah. Yeah. So in addition to them, so Walter and Brian were not invited to the event. It was Billy Mitchell, Minnesota State Lottery. Really should say that. It's the Minnesota State Lottery Pac-Man event, right? They have right. a scratch-off cards, which actually are pretty cool. You take, <clears throat> you know, you find your Pac-Man start point, and then you scratch off the maze, and you try not to hit any ghosts. Um, and if you, like, eat a cherry or, you know, whatever, you get to a, a point value and you win money. So it's kind of cool. Um, and if you bought uh, four scratch-off cards for $5 each, you got a free... Pac-Man t-shirt at the event. <clears throat> and Billy Mitchell was exclusively invited to this event. Namco created paste, uh, posters um, with his name on it, like six-foot posters. So all of the memorabilia and everything was sponsored by Namco, ultimately. Minnesota State Lottery, Namco, Billy Mitchell. So Walter and Brian were just kind of there along for the ride. <clears throat> and I think Billy, at one point... And well, it, back up. They were there for the filming of the TV pilot. Right, but... Let's, Walter was not supposed to be on stage. That was not part of the plan. In fact, did Brian did Brian Koo go on stage? No. But when I had talked to the event coordinator, they're like, yeah, you know, Minnesota State Lottery, Namco, they, they really just want Billy. And, and that's how I'd heard it. Billy's an advocate for Walter. So he got him up on stage. Walter did his thing. And he's like preaching the ways of Billy Mitchell and arcade games and classic arcade games and, you know, being Walter. And it was just really fun to see him on stage get, you know, light up, you know. Yeah, it was just unbelievable. So did Brian Koo eat food that somebody else had prepared? <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> the first thing I said was, maybe you know, because by the time I they had come around, it was like noon or 12.30 or 1, and I was getting hungry because I hadn't eaten really any, anything. I was like, well, I'm going to go grab a bite. Do you, wanna, do you and Walter want to grab a bite for lunch? And, oh, oh no, um, I'm, I'm, Walter and I had a real um, big breakfast, so we're not real hungry right now, but, uh, <laughs> but maybe a little later. And, and I was like, okay. <laughs> and so no yeah we didn't uh we didn't have any uh lunch together but then we had planned this this pizza thing for later and the month the man loves his food i'm telling you right there so as part of this part of this craigslist ad the next day sunday they were planning to shoot 
at Brian's location and, and, and do this whole thing, the Defender thing. And we discussed this a little bit off the air, and I think it's okay for us to talk about it a little bit because really it's going to do nothing but promote the, the show that's coming up, right? Theoretically, yes. And hopefully, you know, it will get some traction and we'll have a, a new entertaining documentary style event with Walter Day and Brian Koo and Billy Mitchell. Yep. So, which will include, you know, Brian and Susan Armitage, you know, from Paradise Arcade. So that'd be kind of cool too. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, Sunday, it was just Brian, Adam, me, Billy Mitchell, Brian, Walter. That's it. Hanging out at Paradise Arcade shop. Pretty freaking cool. And so Billy, Billy just Billy brought hot sauce and <laughs> signed my Kane of Kong poster. Just yeah. really, I mean, L L, and just <laughs> happy to answer any questions oh, I had. Yeah. Just answered over and over and over. Anything. Wait, I, did he? Uh, did you ask him about his uh, how he felt about his portrayal in King of Kong? Oh, for sure. No. In fact, I asked. Uh, yeah. he, I think we asked him about that the day before. Yeah. Brian, uh, so Walter and Billy signed my King of Kong poster, but, or, yeah, but Brian wouldn't because of the portrayal of King of Kong. <laughs> the thing is, you know, I don't think they understand that it's like acting, right? I think he's bitter because he's thinking of it from, this is not who we are. He's not thinking about it from a, this is a hell of a movie perspective. You know, <laughs> it doesn't matter who was good or bad. That's not the point. No one really thinks Billy Mitchell is bad. Well, just, no, they did for a while, and he talks about that. And we, we had a big conversation about it at right. the show. Um, Billy was like, yeah, he was treated very badly for a good 10 years, you know. And well, that, I mean, that, that would have been like up until last year. Yeah, I mean, seriously, for the last 8 to 10 years, Billy Mitchell has been vilified by that movie. And I, don't, I, I think that some of that may be brought on by himself. Certainly the director had something to do with that, a lot to do with it. Especially if you talk to Billy, he'll tell you. Right. Brian Koo, you know, he's an innocent guy, yep. just a regular dude. And I don't blame him for being upset. It's like, yeah, um, these guys, you know, they gave him full access and they, they promised to be good about how they're going to portray them. And, you know, and Brian Koo is, he is totally caricaturized in the movie. You know, he's sure. And, and while he is who he is, and God bless him for being who he is. I can I can understand why he would be rightfully upset, you know. Really? See, it, that that wouldn't bother me because it wouldn't be a good movie. But if that's it wasn't because wrong. you have thick skin and no feelings. No, it's. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you got you know everybody's different. He's a sensitive guy, you know. Sure. I just I always think of it like if this movie is going to make money, there has to be drama. I think that's why Chasing Ghosts didn't do well. But see, you know Chasing I mean? Ghosts is a documentary. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. You still need to have a reason to watch. There has to be some sort of... But people who watch documentaries are not always looking for, like, you know, fisticuffs. They're looking for information on stuff. And This isn't Ken Burns. But a lot of... Yeah, that's... that that's Chasing Ghosts is more along the line. And I don't agree entirely, because Chasing Ghosts d- dives way deeper into these guys' real lives. Yeah. Oh, totally. Todd Rogers and his spider collection and... Wait, didn't you say we were going to get Todd on the show? I think so. I would love to have him on the show. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I haven't, I haven't re- reached out to him. Someone else did on my behalf, and they said he would love to do the show. So, could could we all do the show in his spider closet? <laughs> oh, yes. I would love to. He's in Florida, right? So that'd be that'd be kick ass. I think that'd be fun. 
We could go to Disney World the next day. And he is such a character. I I got to respect that guy because he's like a Monaco GP dude. And he's like, he holds all these weird records. Like he's the barnstorming champion. Right? Oh, yeah, that guy. <laughs> oh, yeah, Mertz. So Sunday, we're all hanging around Paradise Arcade Shop, and Billy pulls out his phone and starts playing voicemails off his phone. <laughs> From no Brian. kidding. Yeah, from, like people, uh, like this girl asked him to be the Grand Marshal at their prom. Wow. <laughs> That'd be awesome. And what was the other one? Was it Brian? It yeah, was Brian. He, he played a couple of Brian Koo ones. Oh my God. Just <laughs> hilarious. He's like, uh, yeah, I'm Billy. Um, I, I have a pumpkin <laughs> pie, and I'm going to, I'm going to go down to fun spot and I'm going to, I'm going to try and throw it in Robert Merchick's face. <laughs> Dude, I would have filmed that. That'd have been great. Oh, it, it was, was fun. It was great. And, and Brian Koo is like so unassuming and just like, you know, he don't know ever what he's really up to, but he's, <laughs> he's a funny guy. So Mark, I, I'm sitting talking to Brian Coon. He's like, "Oh, so do you collect arcade games?" All I'm like, "Well, I yeah, I got maybe a dozen or so." And he goes, "Well, what do you have?" So I'm going through the list and and uh, I say, "And you know, Seven Twenty, Crystal Castles, whatever Journey." He goes, "Oh, Journey, that's funny. That's the one game we couldn't collect at Fun Spot. So you want to <laughs> donate that? <laughs> you want to donate? It? <laughs> do I want to donate my Journey? No, no but." <laughs> I know I, t- what, I talked about this a couple times over the weekend, but there is a definite uh, dissemination between the guys that show up t- for these documentaries and uh, play these games and ha- and played these games competitively in the '80s and the arcade collector. And the interesting thing about that is, is th- it's sort of a symbiotic relationship, right? We're the guys that like go and buy these games for hopefully pennies on the dollar, uh, unless you're Adam Coyer, then you buy it for way more than you should. And then you take it and you restore it and you put all this money into it because you're trying to create an environment um, that will, you know, entertain your friends and and sort of give them a, a nostalgic view back into the past, right? Sort of a portal back to the past. And I think that our role in arcade collecting and, and our enthusiasm in the arcade world, uh, of course, led us to these documentaries and, and these, these guys that are just insanely good at what they do. Yep. If you ask Billy Mitchell how many games he has in his collection, the answer is zero. He has no games at all in his house he's concentrating on his kids two of his kids are out of the house he's got another kid going to college pretty soon pretty nice college actually just got accepted you know his focus is on his family on his business ricky's hot sauce is you know that's his lifeblood i mean he does these events and he is billy mitchell the villain but the arrogant villain but in real life he's just like trying to make it like everybody else and the cool symbiotic part of it is here's adam with a donkey kong and a pac-man that these guys can come out and play it works for, that relationship works really well i think no i agree had, had you ever uh, met billy like in any other collaborative scenario before or maybe just at an event or something i've never met him live no and dan same question yeah i've never met him and nice. i was just talking to my wife the other night it's like can you really top that in arcade collecting, you know what I mean. Who else cool. are you going to? Who else are you going to meet above Billy Mitchell? Well, no one according to Billy Mitchell. <laughs> well, honestly, is there anyone more notable? Well, there's this Canadian guy that he hates, so yeah, we have to check Captain, that out. Captain Canada or whatever he goes yeah, by. Yeah, Captain Canada. Billy Mitchell, video game player of the century. Two hundred and fifty-six boards over many, many hours, never dying once, never missing a point. They had all kinds of people, oh, you can't do it. Oh, no one's ever done that. 
There's no way you can do that. Bet you can't. I'd say don't bet your life. No, I think for those of us, especially since 2006 when these documentaries really, you know, shed the light on on these games, I think that there are all those characters that are in the movie, and, I say, and I'm saying characters now because they were characters in King of Kong for sure. Um, I would like to meet each and every one of them. You know, Robert Murchek, you know, Todd. Right. I don't know how big Todd Rogers' role was in King of Kong, but I think it was less than Chasing Ghosts. Uh, Brian Koo, I was it was a pleasure to meet him. Uh, Walter Day, actually. Walter Day is probably as high or higher on the list for me than Billy. No offense to Billy, but Walter is just an odd and interesting fellow with a genuinely good heart. And actually, one really of my good. friends, um, after meeting Walter, he said that his son said, I wish Walter could be my uncle or my grandpa. Because um, <laughs> nice. he's just this really nice guy. And for everything that you see him in on film and for and whether or not he's eloquent and everything that he says or not isn't important. He genuinely enjoys being around this environment, being around these arcade guys that have been around for ages. And he fostered these relationships with these guys when they were kids. And he was really a surrogate father to them, right? He led them around the country to go play competitive <laughs> video gaming in the eight in the early 80s you know like who did that you know who who dedicated their life to that kind of thing you know right so he was just and there's some really interesting stories i asked billy how he met walter and there's a long-winded story that he eventually finished it ultimately boiled down to billy and this do you remember did you see chasing ghosts mark I actually watched it for the first time last week. Okay, so you remember the the point in the movie where they they hired all those kids to go play in Boston? Yes. And they were going to have a traveling circus, and if you could beat these masters, you would actually win arcade games or money and stuff. Billy was part of that crew, and just as they were to disembark, they canceled the whole tour, and they said, everybody go home. And so Billy took the money, as I remember it, and he says, I want to go home. <laughs> you know, I... We're free. We're teenagers. You know, it's summer. I'm not going home. So he said, make my ticket to Atumwa. And a bunch of them did. And they all ended up at Twin Galaxies Arcade. And they were and they were like sleeping on the floor of the arcade. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. So and so that's how they met like Tim McVeigh. These guys were all just hanging out in the arcade because they had no place to go. And they were basically starving. They were like scrounging for food. But they were arcade all-stars. And they were like... No, I don't want to go home. I want to play video games all summer, and I want to do it in Twin Galaxies, where you know we, you know, <laughs> we're going to get recognized because that's where the scoreboard was, right? Wow. So, 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 are you saying that childhood dreams do come true? <laughs> if, they did in the eighties. If you jump a train and go to Tumwa, Iowa, apparently. So, interesting thing is, Walter must have seen something in these kids, and you know treated them like normal human beings. And so they all stuck around and Billy and Walter became really good friends. And there's way more stories that followed after that. I mean, that story that I just told you in like three minutes was a 15 minute story by Billy with tons and tons of details that if I were to tell on the show, it would, it would be interesting, of course, but I, I want to get them on the show so they can tell that story. Right. I'm telling you the abridged version right now. I'll accept that. Hey, so can you can you come up with like some of what do you think the best things were and then what are the what are the worst things about the event? So I was a little disappointed in the whole organization of the event. It was very difficult for me because the Steve Weeby event was better organized. No offense to Gabby and and her organization of the event, but 
there is a lot less ceremony about around well i mean obviously the the guests are most important but it's like i'm the dude that's facilitating this actually happening you could maybe like be in better contact with me so i was in the dark about stuff a lot and i had to reach out and ask for schedules and dan's asking me and other people are asking me like what's going on what's going on what what's you know what's the actual schedule and i had no clue i had no clue like up until like the day before so that was really frustrating and then just anticipating and i was pretty confident in the machine's workings so but there's always that thing like, what if it breaks? It's not like you brought a backup Pac-Man machine with you. No, I did have some people lined up that I thought, you know, I call and I had a, an extra board and I had my tools and stuff. But you, you just never know what's going to happen. So I was just really glad that it went really smooth. And as far as the best things that, that happen, I have to say the fact that they invited Dan and I to come to the shooting the next day and get to know them a little bit better. That was probably the highlight for me. I don't know. What about you, Dan? I was really surprised by the turnout of the arcade radio podcast fans. I shook a lot of babies and kissed a lot of hands. <laughs> I signed I mean, there, a t-shirt there were, and a poster. There were people everywhere. I was signing shirts and signing posters and <laughs> hanging out and, sh- and people were giving me grief and it was, it was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Well, thank, thanks to everybody that came out, by the way, all yeah, the listeners. Thank there you very much. At least half a dozen people that I had never met before. So thanks. Yeah, that was really great. We really appreciate your support, and we'll try to keep getting good guests, and we'll intersperse, hopefully, you know, guests like Walter Day and Billy Mitchell and Steve Wiebe. I'm, I, I haven't asked Billy. I didn't ask him during the show because he was very busy, and I didn't ask him at the filming either because he was also very busy, and he's just Billy, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to reach out to him, but, you know, having Walter on the show, I think, is a good step in the right direction, and we, we'll still want to sprinkle in guests that are just normal guys, you know? I mean, these guys are normal guys too. Don't get me like, wrong. Like, like Chris Gack, we'll we'll have Chris Gack here. Yeah, absolutely. We're gonna oh, have this. Sure. We're gonna have Randy Donahue on tomorrow, who's like an Aladdin's castle manager. So we're we're gonna keep keep changing it up for sure. But yeah, absolutely. I just love the fact that we had some we had some people that recognized the show out there. So thanks for being out there. Yeah, did we promote that or what? Because there were an awful lot of people out there. I wore my arcade radio sweatshirt, so maybe that was part of the giveaway. But I. Yeah. I was pretty amazed by the amount of people that well, came up and talked to me. there's this thing called Facebook, and we did advertise on it a few times. So. I, uh, nice. <laughs> hey, so what, what's to become of your famous Pac-Man cabinet now? Well, he signed it. Uh, Burn pit. Which part? <laughs> Burn pit, exactly. So I had him sign the marquee, and uh, he signed the C in Pac, and he put in Billy Mitchell, and then he put in the high score for Pac-Man, and they put the date that he got that high score in 99. So it's kind of fun. I'm What's tearing up right now. Are you going to like triple fix that? What's your plan? <laughs> no. I was thinking he wrecked my marquee and I want to clean it off, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, so now I have a Steve Weeby signed Donkey Kong and a, and a Billy Mitchell signed Pac Man. Dude, and you that- need to get a couple. You need to put them side by side. <laughs> and what was that? What was that guy in New York on Clov? Caused all the drama. Remember that? Canada. Canada. That's it. Canada. Yeah. You know who I'm talking about? No. Give me a little background. Yeah, tell us what's going on. What? You guys don't know about this this guy? No. Sounds... Is it is it Canada the K or something? Yeah, Canada. K A. Yeah, I, I just can't remember what he did because he so had like drama. a New York apartment um <laughs> that he turned into an ar- a quote unquote arcade. He, he had a like a hideaway bed <laughs> with teenage mutant ninja turtle sheets. He had a Street Fighter, a Donkey Kong, <laughs> and I don't know, something else, but the Donkey Kong was signed by Steve Wiebe, and I think he had something from Billy Mitchell, 
Uh, oh, and if he paid like forty-five grand or I don't—that's an exaggeration, but he paid something stupid amount of money for a fix at Felix, and this guy was featured everywhere. I why I don't know who he is. Wow, I can't believe you haven't heard this. No, it was maybe a year, two years ago. So how does it tie into what we're talking about? Uh, he had a Steve Weeby machine and a Billy Mitchell machine, and he had like framed oh. signatures on them. And Interesting. Okay. Turned into this guy. Oh, I see. <laughs> I think it'll be fine. So I actually have a question that's on this topic. Would you ever consider selling either your Donkey Kong or Pac-Man cabinets? And if so, what's that magic dollar amount? I guess I would, but I not right now. This is, it's just too much fun to have the, the story in the house, you know? So right. dollar amount. I mean, if, if somebody were to come along and, and offer me the right dollar amount or the right trade, maybe. But I, I, what if yeah. I say I have I have five thousand dollars in my pocket for you for that Pac Man back? Sold. <laughs> that was Dan, by the way, saying that who doesn't own it. Uh, I, pro- I, you know what? It's a good price, and um, if, if I was sane, I would take it. Um, probably wouldn't take it right away though, because it's just you know I, I really enjoyed meeting him, and I think that's that machine's gonna. I've always kind of wanted a Pac Man machine. Funny story is before I owned your Pac Man some time ago, I. I don't know if you guys buy the the keychains from old time game old time. What's his name? Um, I only have the one that came with the Tron that I bought from you. Okay, so there's a guy on Claw that old makes keychains. Old, old time, time toys. toys. Yeah, so he makes these awesome keychains, and I I bought a couple of keychains that I just assumed I would get these games, and I've had Pac Man hanging in my my key box for some time. Oh, nice. So I was actually kind of happy to get a Pac Man too, because I just I think. If you think back to the early 80s in the classic lineup, you know, Galaga, first question out of everyone's mouth, do you have a Miss Pac-Man, do you have a Galaga? Mm-hmm. Uh, Galaga, iconic artwork, artwork um, Miss Pac-Man, yes, but to me, even before the Miss Pac-Man, the Pac-Man art is just iconic. That blob, that yellow blob of the feet that I think ended up being Crazy Otto, it, the, he's like, he's so weird. He looks nothing like the character in the game, you know? So, um, but I've always loved that art with the, the, the big blue ghost bearing down on the, the yellow Pac-Man guy. And so, uh, I always wanted one and now mine is signed by Billy Mitchell. So do I want to give it up right now? Probably not. I'm probably gonna hang on to that thing. It's like when you buy a, your lifetime dream for a dream car, right? You get like a, for me, it would be like a seventies stingray Corvette. I'd probably buy it and I wouldn't want to get rid of it. Is it worth more than sixteen grand or twenty grand? Probably not. Um, would I sell it in ten years? Hmm, probably. I don't know. I just right. don't own one. I hit my head so much. I don't <laughs> miss it. I don't miss it at all. You have a you have a kit now though, right? I traded it. Yes, the kit's good. It's still in Minnesota. Hey, okay. So my next question is: Who are your other arcade heroes? And would you like to have a similar situation where you provide a machine and they play in public? I mean, I'm thinking like immediately Tim McVeigh. That would be kind of cool. Yeah. So Tim, that'd be actually really fun. I I don't know how I'd ever find an Ibler machine. Lon McDonald, um, he signed a T-shirt for me, but it never occurred to me to have him actually sign the machine while he was here. You know, if I, you know, and I'm friends with Lon on facebook so i'll probably reach out to him at some point say hey if you're in the area stop by let's um let's have dinner and you can sign my marquee because i forgot to have you do that (laughs) but i never feel like and i don't know about you guys but so arcade hero is maybe a little loftier loftier phrase for me than i would 
except because I think I would rather meet these guys on a level like we did over the weekend. I just want to get to know them as a person. I, I respect what they've done in the hobby, what they've done in the industry, what they've done for the industry, and how they've charged it up. But even if I was to meet like Harrison Ford, I would be more interested in like what he likes for breakfast and what him and Callista do in their spare time than I am, you know, not that, you know, oh, yeah. the details. What do they really, do? But, you know, <laughs> where they like to vacation. Callista's hot. I think they respect you more when you treat them like a person, is my point. Oh, totally. Wait a minute. Harrison Ford is married to Callista Flockhart. Flockhart, yes. That's disgusting. <laughs> what? He could do so much better. <laughs> what? She's so, oh, she's disgusting. Oh, get off. <laughs> I think she's pretty nice. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I think it just on. puked in my mouth. <laughs> Calista, if you're listening, I still like. <laughs> Allie McBeal. Hey, that was it, Allie McBeal. Oh, gross. Oh, I never watched that show, so gross. maybe. Gross. That's probably why you don't like <laughs> it. Hey, Dan, I have a question for you. That... <laughs> okay, so here's my question <laughs> back, back rubs, Swedish or deep tissue? Uh, <laughs> happy ending. Uh, <laughs> see now we don't know how to Asian. Humanoid must not escape. <laughs> intruder alert! Intruder alert! <laughs> All my questions now are completely absurd. Adam, when you shake someone's hand that you admire, do you wash your hand right away? <laughs> yes, I do. Actually, I'm like monk. I get my little bottle. Of <laughs> I'm with you, Adam. Disinfected. <laughs> I'm re- <laughs> <laughs> I disinfected out. <laughs> and we're actually at my last and final question. Dan, this is and Adam, this is both for both of you. Are there any games that you think that you are good at that you could give Billy Mitchell a run for his money? No. <laughs> no. Actually, every game that he ever plays. There's a great story here. Kangaroo. Dan, you tell the story. Uh where he was just decided to randomly play kangaroo. Yeah, so first thing he says is I hate kangaroo. This is the worst game yeah. ever. I've never well, made it. Then he walks over and fires it up. Yeah. <laughs> so Were you up down? No, this was at uh, Brian's uh, Paradise Arcade. So he's like, okay. so he walks over to the machine. And he's like, I hate this game. Uh, I never make it past the first level. And then he's playing for a couple of minutes. People are snapping pictures of Billy Mitchell playing kangaroo at, because apparently it was was it Midway who did no. Atari. It's Atari. an Atari, but it's a license. It's licensed by another company. Yeah. So Atari in Arabia. Apparently, it was Atari's answer to Donkey Kong, and it did not do well. So, you know, because it's a platform game, whatever. And he, used, he was saying, I, the thing I wanted to do most in this game is climb up to the top and then punch that little kangaroo at the top. <laughs> and so, you know, so he's, like, telling us this story, and then all of a sudden he's like, wait a minute, I guess I've, I guess I've never made it past the second level now. And, so now he's <laughs> and, then, he, and then he'd die, and he'd be like, what the hell? <laughs> I mean, he, he was just like your average gamer. He's like, that's bull. There there's, there's no way. There's no way I died there. <laughs> that's pretty funny. But yeah, that was that was great. Um, so games that I would play uh, against anybody. I am so actually very terrible at most of the games that I own. I mean, like I, I don't think I've ever gotten more than 90K in Donkey Kong. I, I 140K in Tempest, you know, like uh pac-man i don't think i've even gone for a record miss pac-man 130 173 000, i think and in, in 10 points or something and, you know and so i don't have like world record stamina for these games and i'm better than probably most of my family and friends are at them but to take on any one of these guys in one of these games would just be like yep school me because i suck wow dan <laughs> joust that's my jam 
Could you could you do a marathon joust? Because uh, like, I only like in joust, I'm 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 like I think seventy k is my highest. I can definitely beat that, but I don't think I could do the Lon McDonald one million or whatever he did when he rolled it. Yeah, that's but I mean, these guys when you meet Billy Mitchell, there's something you can just like you just wouldn't want to play him. That he's just too good. I, it, it's almost like yeah. it's an extension of him. I, I've never seen anything like it. I don't have that. Like I struggle no. at games. Well, it's like I said, you know, he walked up to the machine in seconds, knew where the pattern was, where something was going to die. Like, I, right. It would take me, I mean, he's been playing the games for longer than I've been alive. <laughs> right. I play him for fun. He plays him for competition. It's pretty obvious. Did he get to the kill screen? Well, that's a funny story, too. So it's actually kind of funny and sad. So I was kind of hoping that he would do something like that. Like he would just be playing along, park the ghosts talk to the crowd keep the game going and then eventually just beat it because he had enough time from the time that the event started to the time that it ended but um but he let his his guys die in between stuff and he was more interested in playing to the crowd and crowd was really quite frankly more interested in hearing stories and so there was a lot of back and forth and so not much time dedicated to the game other than here's how you do this here's where you can park this watch this they come in here for 20 seconds they go out to the corners blah 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 really interesting stuff but there is a feature in pac-man and if you go into the dip switches and flip dip switch seven to the on position it goes into rack mode advanced rack mode and what that does is it advances the racks automatically so if you ever want to do this on your pac-man it's really interesting because you can watch all the cutscenes, the intermissions for free by just flipping dip switch seven putting in a coin and hitting start and it'll just start advancing levels. And then when it gets to the intermissions, it plays them through in actual time. And then it goes to the next screen. And it in about every four seconds, a screen advances. So after about 17 minutes, you will end up at screen 250x. So there's a guy in the audience who's also a, um, an expert Pac-Man player. His name is Tim something. Um, I got his information. I've asked him to be on the show. He's probably going to be on. Was that the guy in the green hoodie that was up on stage with you? Yeah, yeah, he had like the hockey jersey on. Oh, I thought he was from uh, Twin Galaxies or something. Nope, nope, he's not related in any way. So, just a fan out there. He and Billy know each other, so because I think they kind of play in the same circles, hmm. and they play at that level. So, so Tim and I were up there timing the machine and watching the screens go by, which is something I've never done in my entire life on a Pac-Man machine, which was kind of interesting. And the first time we failed and we actually advanced it too far and it did the kill screen. So uh, the second time though, we got it within two screens. So it's at level 254 and Tim has parked Pac-Man somewhere where the ghost can't get him. So Billy's talking and he's, he's doing a build up, right? He's going to, he's going to go up and he's going to finish the game. So he goes up there and he starts to play the game and he finishes the level and advances to another level. And so he's like, well, we didn't get close enough. Tim, come up here and, and play while I talk. Oh. So so Tim goes up there, and he finishes the level and dumps the screen, and it goes to the kill screen. So <laughs> Billy didn't even get the kill screen. It was actually Tim. It was still effective because Billy was more about telling you how to get a perfect score and not about actually watching you, him do it. So he... He explained on the final level that you're not actually done when it bleeds, right? And he has a whole tie into this thing. But essentially, there are nine dots on screen 256 that you have to pick up in order to get a perfect Pac-Man score. And they are somewhat hidden. Like, four are visible, 
uh, and a couple are invisible and a couple are so like weirdly colored that you wouldn't really normally see them. Like one is red and one is like so close to another color that you wouldn't see it. So he demonstrated how he would park the ghosts on the final screen, 256, and then go pick up those final nine dots. That was pretty cool. I have a question for you, Mark, since we're almost done here. Okay. So one of the funniest things was during the weekend, I was just so busy, and I don't know about Dan, but we were involved with the event, right? So there wasn't a lot of arcade radio broadcasting going on there wasn't a lot of like here we are on twitter and facebook's and all the things and pinterest's and whatnot mark how were you keeping track of what was going on oh my gosh so i had to i had to use keywords and all sorts of things on twitter instagram facebook um i couldn't use snapchat what was the other <laughs> one i was using uh tumblr clove and a couple other play clove yeah because i you were like Dude, I'm busy. I can't talk to you right now. I'm like, I'm like, uh, so yeah, I li- had to live vicariously through strangers basically until today. <laughs> it was like very fun and you know, like just time consuming. There's, I was shaking hands like <laughs> Dan said, he was shaking babies and kissing hands. Yeah. So, oh wait, I actually have a question that's related to that. Did you vicariously enjoy celebrity magic as a result of your proximity? To hang out with a couple of iconic dudes in our kid. You know, actually a little bit, I think. People were hmm. recognizing that we were important, but they didn't know why. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you exactly? At one point I said, I'm the Pac-Man guy. And this guy's like, you look nothing like Billy Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> shaved my hair. God. For one thing, you're a foot and a half shorter. You're about 800 pounds high, heavier. And you, have tight, you don't have the flowing locks. <laughs> Dude, that hair is real, by the way. What kind of what? So, what would you call that hairstyle? Is that a? It's, it's mullet not a mullet. Or? It, it's like a. I don't know what I you would call, call it. I would call it a magic mane. Oh yeah, magic. That's actually really good because it's not a mullet. It's not business in the front, and it's perfectly sculpted. Like he must have the blow dryer hairspray technique down to like, like there's a razor edge along the the side of his hair. Like you don't want to touch it because you would probably get cut. <laughs> But it's like it is real hair. It's his hair, and you know and he's got a beard and the whole business. Not sure it's all brown hair anymore. Might be. I'm dyed. taller than he is. That made me feel good. That was hilarious. Oh my gosh. He didn't, li- he didn't like that one bit. Yeah, he likes he, he likes people to be a little bit shorter. He made him shorter in the picture. <laughs> he's like, stand here. I said, okay. And he stepped forward so that he looked taller in the picture. And then Adam took the picture. He's like, see, you're shorter than me. Love it. Uh, he did that to me, and I look like six foot four. I look like Bilbo from Lord of Lord the Rings. Lord of the Rings, <laughs> hairy feet and all. I wish you were there, Mark. Yeah, it was sad not having you there. Right, way to live in Texas. <laughs> I know I didn't do much here either. <laughs> Anybody in the audience that's still listening that has a question? Because we're we're I think we're going to wrap up here pretty soon. But if you have questions for us regarding the show or what they were like. You know, pop them in there. You know, we'll make up a question if. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, <laughs> but otherwise, um, you know, I we had a. It was just a really good time. I would do it again. Uh, you know, it's like it's hard to say no. You know, so if they somehow have like a nibbler scratch off game, which would never happen. You know, that'd be cool. It would be awesome. But 
I would love to have Tim McVeigh up in Minneapolis. And and, and actually, I'm sad I missed him because he was here for the Twin City Film Festival when they released Man vs. Snake. I had no idea. Yeah, I had no idea either. Oh, also, we missed the fact that uh, Billy Mitchell just made a random appearance at the Up Down Arcade. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, so you're supposed to go to dinner that night, but I actually had previous plans and couldn't had to drop off the game with my U-Haul and all that stuff. So I actually couldn't make it to dinner. And then they went to Up Down Arcade and Billy signed. Oh, yeah. Autographs and everything there. Yeah. Speaking of which, when the event shut down, I talked to him and he just he just has tons and tons of stories. I was trying to go get my U-Haul because I had actually valet parked it. (laughs) What? (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Wait, you got the box trailer U-Haul like the No, 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 it was a Ford Transit, like a okay. is a van. So, you know, and I but I was at the Radisson Blue, so I like I couldn't find a spot and I was like I pulled up to Valley and I'm like I'm going to valet this son of a bitch. <laughs> you know. <laughs> that, that valet was just pissed. So I valet parked it and then I didn't pick it up till like five o'clock the next day. <laughs> so <laughs> but anyway, so I'm trying to leave, and Billy's talking my ear off, and he's like, "I'm gonna go walk over to that other machine over here in a minute, and I'm gonna get a crowd ground, man. We're gonna, I'm gonna play that game for another hour." I'm like, "No, no, you're not," <laughs> you know, because his manager's been trying to, you know, round him. One thing I've learned about being around Billy for two days is that it doesn't really matter if you're managing him; he still does his own thing. So he actually did walk over to the anniversary edition Miss Pac-Man Galaga machine. And I don't know if he fired up the combination to unlock Pac-Man, but he was playing that for about an hour, apparently. And he had a, a crowd around him. He did not leave the mall until like 6.15. So he got another a whole bunch of people in line to get autographs. And it was just, it was, and then when he went to Up Down, same thing. People were just like, oh my God, it's Billy Mitchell and Walter Day. And, you know, a line of people signing autographs and stuff there's some pictures floating around so there's a there's something he's a unique guy i mean if you think about his life what it must have been starting out as a teenager as a professional arcade player right i mean think about that for a minute there's there's a story he talks about calling up the you know to get his high score recorded and it was the same story that you saw in king of kong with some of the other guys but he called some some place up and they said well try calling the manufacturer no he called the arcade guy the arcade owner and it's no why don't you try the manufacturer so they called him he called the manufacturer and they're like yeah we don't do that kind of thing here you know so then they sent him off to yeah see yeah see and so they um you know, they sent him off to whatever, and, and he just never could find a place to record his scores. And part of that was uh, tied into how he met Walter, but the, he eventually ended up finding Twin Galaxies via a trade mag that was being passed around in Florida. So, what a unique lifestyle he lived. Yeah. So, anyway, you know, he ends up doing all this professional gaming out of this, you know, and gets hired by these people in Boston that's going to ship them around the world. And, you know, they're, they're, they're made all these, these promises were all made to these kids. Walter is really like the grandfather of esports. You know, these, these, these guys were really going to be competitive gamers, you know, that were traveling the world. Right. A little early. Yeah. A little bit too early. And there's no model for them to actually make money. And none of them had managers. Right. Other than Walter. So you, you know, nobody was negotiating on their behalf. And they did not have the notoriety that, like, say, like the Quake guys do and QuakeCon and, you know, all of the, you know, following events with Halo and all these professional gamers that are just, like, Call of Duty masters. And yep. and there's literal esports. These guys make tons and tons of money now in competitive gaming. And these guys 
pioneered it, and they make crap. They make zilch. So that being said, when this documentary or this TV series comes out, you guys need to be a part of it. So contribute, buy, watch, Support consume, yeah. spread the word. Help yeah, these guys absolutely. out because they deserve it. Yeah, they put in their hours. and, and They really have. Regardless of whether he's a larger-than-life, arrogant <laughs> on air, the guy is a genuinely good father, business owner, and just a nice guy to hang out with. And he Really would, nice guy. You know, Walter, uh, ops, Walter doesn't have that persona, but he, Walter is kind of what you see is what you get. He is, everything that he is in those documentaries is genuinely interested in the hobby, genuinely interested in his gamers and has made friends with these lifelong friends with these guys in sort of a fatherly capacity. He's just, he's just a genuinely awesomely awesome dude. And we're looking forward to having him on the show. So tune in on the 13th for, of April for the Walter day show. And uh, if you guys have him at an event, so if any listeners out there are going to see him at an event or are planning on having him at an event, take care of him. Absolutely. You know, take him out to lunch, not, dinner. Yeah. Yeah. Take him out, buy him a sandwich, hang out with him. He's a hell of a guy. So he's a vegetarian, so you gotta find Chinese food or something that he really likes. Bring him to a steakhouse. Loves in <laughs> he loves Indian food and Chinese food. We learned that. So <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. It was a great time. Wish you could have been there, Mark. Um uh, maybe on the next one. Damn you. <laughs> we'll get you out of the next in. one. <laughs> Uh, thanks for listening in. This has been a special episode of the Arcade Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Adam. Joined with join me joining me tonight. Who? Who? Adam. Oh. Adam the Cylon. But our uh, our guest interviewer tonight, Mr. Mark Shields. Mark, thanks for doing that. My awesome. pleasure. Super genius. And Dan Reed. It's the double R's, ArcadeRadio.com. Follow us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play. We're even on Twitter. And, and this thing called Facebook. So well, nobody ever goes to, so don't do it. <laughs> it's been a pleasure, guys. I'm going to see you tomorrow, so let's wrap this thing up, huh? Here we go. Put our pants back on.
Oh, you just talked in the group chat. <laughs> so did I. That was a fun show. Well done, gentlemen. Yeah, thanks. I played this song all the way through to the end. That I've never done that. I've never heard. Yeah, I've never heard that either. <laughs> I like the uh, I like the heavy metal guitar part. I, I like I like the parts. <laughs> is that is that from the Minions? It is. Yeah, I love this thing. Very nice. <laughs> all right, let's do it again tomorrow. Yeah, really. It's gonna be nuts. <laughs>